بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم we continue the discussion on the umdatul ahkam the reference on rulings and uh, the hadith of tonight is hadith number 29 this is concerning the ghusl uh, from janaba taking a ghusl a bath from from a state of sexual defilement an aisha the hadith begins an aisha the first one is an aisha radiyallahu anha qalat kana an-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam idha ghtasala min al-janaba ghasala yadayhi and in another narration thumma yufrigu bi yaminihi على شماله فيغسل فرجه ثم and this is for Muslim this narration ثم توضأ وضوءه للصلاة ثم اغتسل ثم يخلل بيديه شعره حتى إذا ظن أنه قد أروى بشرته أفاض عليه الماء ثلاث مرات ثم غسل سائر جسده and also in Muslim there is a wording ثُمَّ غَسَلَ رِجْلَيْهِ وَكَانَتْ تَقُولُ كُنْتُ أَغْتَسِلُ أَنَا وَرَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ مِنْ إِنَاءٍ وَاحِدٍ نَغْتَرِفُ مِنْهُ جَمِيعًا The hadith of Aisha She said رضي الله تعالى عنها That the Prophet عليه الصلاة والسلام Whenever he took a bath From Janaba Janaba is a state of sexual defilement. He started by washing his hands. And then, in, this is an agreed upon hadith, by the way. Uh, and then there are different wordings, and they, will be, they are very beneficial. Uh, so, and then, would pour water on his left hand, using his right hand, on his left hand to wash his private part. And and then performed ablution like that for the prayer. After that, he would put his fingers in water and move the roots of his hair with them. And then after that, he would pour three handfuls of water over his head and then pour water all over his body and she used to say I used to take the bath with the Prophet ﷺ from the same using the same pot taking from it the narrator the narrator is Ummul Mu'mineen Aisha the mother of the believers Aisha may Allah be pleased with her and her father and we gave a biography on this in hadith number 3 the subject is explaining the manner of ghusl of taking a bath from a state of sexual defilement and the state of sexual defilement is defined legally as the state which necessitates taking a bath either through due to uh, semen ejaculation or sexual intercourse with the wife 
between the wife and her husband this is the legal meaning this is the legal meaning of janaba this is the legal meaning of janaba otherwise the linguistic meaning is restricted only to the ejaculation but the legal meaning covers the ejaculation as well the sexual intercourse so he وسلم, used to start by washing his hands meaning the palms in this case and then will take some water with his right hand and put it on his left pour it on his left to wash his private part and she said then he would perform his wudu the same ablution we do for salah and in the narration from Muslim there is an additional statement here she said then he washed his feet and this wording is of Muslim however Al-Bukhari did not mention this and this narration came from the narrator in Muslim known as Abu Muawiyah some of the scholars doubted the authenticity of this statement and our Shaykh Rahimahullah said it's apparent that it is incorrect in the hadith of Aisha from the way of Muslim rather it is correct from the hadith of Maymuna the hadith of Maymuna which we will talk about shortly by virtue of all its ways of narrations in Bukhari and Muslim so in this case there will be no problem so therefore he will make his perfect ablution perfect ablution and this indicates as will be supported by the hadith of Maymuna that this includes the feet as well then afterwards he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then he begins his bath to take the bath and goes goes through the roots of the hair until when that's complete he would pour water after rubbing his hair he would pour water that the skin the whole skin of the head has become what he would pour water thrice and wash the rest of the body now the overall explanation of the hadith in this hadith the mother of the believers explains the manner of ghusl the bath taken by the Prophet ﷺ following a state of sexual defilement that whenever he intended to perform the ghusl he would begin by using the water of course to wash his hands because the hands are the tool the tool for scooping the hands are the tool for scooping then afterwards he would make his full wudu the full ablution which includes washing the mouth washing the nose and washing his face and his hands all the way to the elbows including the elbows and then wipe over his head and also wipe his ears then wash his feet including the 
ankles then begins to wash the entire of his body goes thoroughly wetting his hair with his fingers separate goes over the hair until he is satisfied that he completely rubbed and wetted his hair then he would follow that by uh, pouring three pour water thrice afterwards he will finish with his body one time meaning wash his the entire body once and in this hadith Aisha also reported and made clear that she used to make this ghusl with the Prophet take this ghusl with the Prophet from the same pot scooping from it both why did she mention this? she mentioned this in order to assert that she knew the manner in which the Prophet did the bath and the ghusl meaning that this is not something that she did not see rather she saw and she was engaged in it so the benefits of this hadith number one first this hadith makes clear the legal the legality of al-ghusl from sexual defilement in this manner described by Aisha following the way of the Prophet alayhi salatu wassalam this description is the perfect description for the ghusl the sufficient the sufficient one would be to cover his entire body with water pour water over his body entirely this is the mujzi, this is what is sufficient as like someone uh, dips himself in the sea that would be sufficient but the f- perfect one is the complete one described by Aisha in this way this hadith also tells us that the major state of impurity is greater than the minor one why? because in this case ghusl is required and ghusl bathing is required to cover the entire body including the head however in the minor ritual impurity the obligation is to cover three parts and wiping over the head the next benefit the next benefit is that the permissibility for the man and his husband and his wife to take a bath using the same source of water like the same pot scooping from it together and that this is permissible for the person in a state of sexual defilement as well to do the same also from this 
the permissibility to mention the state of Janaba the state of sexual defilement if there is a benefit if there is a benefit the next benefit is permissibility to wash or uh, to to wash the head three times permissibility to wash the head three times and that it's a must to allow the water to reach the roots of the hair the second or the next benefit is no repetition in washing the rest of the parts no repetition in washing the rest of the parts rather pouring the water on the body once rather pouring the water on the body once and it is better to start with the right side of the body because the Prophet used to like beginning with the right in terms of him putting his shoes and combing his hair and in his purification and in all of his affairs as Aisha also reported and also this is indicated by the hadith of Umm Atiyah may Allah be pleased with her when she was with other women washing the body of one daughter of the daughters of the Prophet after she died the Prophet directed them and said ibda'na biyamaniha biyamaniha rather begin with her right sides and the places of wudu and the places of wudu so if the washing of the deceased begins with the right then by all means that to take that with the to do that with the living takes also precedence it's all fitting rather the next benefit is that uh, making tasmiyah making tasmiyah saying bismillah is not an obligation had it been an, oblig- an obligation it would have been mentioned it would have been mentioned the next benefit the good character of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and his good treatment to his family where Aisha was saying we both used to take from the same pot of water and the next benefit the merits of the wives of the Prophet the merits of the wives of the Prophet because they related to us the rulings they related the rulings to us and from this we know also the benefit of the Prophet ﷺ having more than one wife so they relate to us the rulings of Sharia especially the most particular and most private and from the benefits of that is the the spread of Sharia 
because the more people relate then the more the Sharia will spread there are other benefits as well which we have mentioned specifically in a discussion that you can find on the site and the wisdoms behind the Prophet ﷺ having the number of wives he had ﷺ. This concludes the topic of the first hadith and then we move to the next hadith which is the hadith of Maymuna, hadith number 30 from Umdat al-Ahkam. وعن ميمونة بنت الحارث زوج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنها قالت وضعته لرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وضوء الجنابة فأكفأ بيمينه على يساره مرتين أو ثلاثة ثم غسل فرجه ثم ضرب يده بالأرض أو الحائط مرتين أو ثلاثة ثم تمضمض واستنشق وغسل وجهه وذراعيه ثم أفاض على رأسه الماء ثم غسل جسده ثم تنحى فغسل لجليه فأتيته بخرقة فلم يردها أو يردها فلم يردها فجعل ينفض الماء بيديه ميمونة رضي الله تعالى عنها ميمونة بنت الحارث the wife of the prophet عليه الصلاة والسلام said water was placed for the ablution of the Prophet ﷺ after Janaba, after the state of Janaba of sexual defilement and he poured water with his right hand over his left twice or thrice and then washed his private parts over, you know, she, he poured the water with his right hand over his left hand meaning twice or thrice and then washed his private parts and rubbed his hand on the earth or on a wall twice or thrice and then rinsed his mouth, washed his nose by putting water in it and then blowing it out red. then washed his face and forearms and poured water over his head and washed his body then he shifted from that place and washed his feet I brought a piece of cloth but he did not take it and removed the traces of water from his body with his hand Maymuna bint al-Harith radiallahu ta'ala anha is the wife of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam and her sister is Lubaba Al-Kubra Umm Al-Fadl, nickname Umm Al-Fadl and also the mother of Abdullah the sons of Al-Abbas may Allah be pleased with them all and her other sister is Lubaba Al-Sughra her other sister is Lubaba Al-Sughra Umm Khalid Ibn Al-Walid, the mother of Khalid Ibn Al-Walid the mother of Khalid ibn al-Walid the Prophet ﷺ married Maymuna the year 7th after Hijrah when he performed the Umrah Umrah al-Qadha or al-Qadha and he consummated the marriage with her in a place known as Sarf which is between Mecca and Medina between Mecca and Medina after the death of her husband Abi Rahm bin Abdul Uzza after the death of her husband 
she was the last one whom the Prophet ﷺ was married to. She died in Sirs the year 51 after Hijrah. She died in Sirs the year 51 after Hijrah. Again, the subject of this hadith is explaining the manner of the taking the bath from Janaba, taking the ghusl. So the overall explanation of the hadith is that in this hadith, Umm al-Mu'mineen, the mother of the believers, Maymuna bint al-Harith, may Allah be pleased with her, uh, described to us another manner in which the Prophet ﷺ performed the ghusl from Janaba, where she put the, uh, the water which he needed for the bath, prepared it for him, and when he took by his, he poured water from his right over his left, and washed it three, two or three times, then he washed his private part in order to remove any remains from the remains of uh, the sexual intercourse or the sexual state of defilement. Then he rubbed his hands on the, on the ground or on the earth or on a wall twice or thrice and then he washed his mouth and his nose and washed his face and forearms then poured the water over his head then uh, washed his entire body then he moved from his place and then washed his feet in another place Then she brought him a cloth to dry himself with and he did not take it. And then he took off the water, shook off the water from his body and with his hands. Removed it with his hands. This hadith includes additional information from that is rubbing the earth after washing the private parts or the wall because this speeds the removal of anything that may uh, still remains on the private part and also let's remember here that the water was scarce I mean it wasn't that abundant in their times and that's why this was needed to rub against the floor or the or the uh, or the wall and this would be better in terms of the purification and the benefits of this hadith number one the legality to perform the ghusl for the state of Janaba in accordance with the manner described by Maymuna second benefit that it is permissible for the woman to express that which could be uh, shy for her to express or it's bashful why? in order to explain the truth and it is known that Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha is one of the wives of the Prophet and Maimuna is one of the wives of the Prophet 
and it is known that he is going to be in a state of sexual defilement either with her or with with another one with another one of his wives and that this could be something bashful but in order to make the truth clear then it is inevitable and also from the benefits is that the person begins with the wudu before the ghusl and this wudu is sufficient meaning if the person finishes the ghusl the, ghusl, the taking the, uh, of the bath he is not to repeat the wudu and what about if the person touches his private part during the ghusl after the wudu after making the wudu we know that there are two opinions one opinion then it is a must for him or her to redo the wudu due to the touching of the private part however the preponderating opinion is that mere touching does not invalidate the wudu unless, as long as it is uh, not meant to be uh, out of desire out of sexual desire so the correct opinion that it is not it does not affect or invalidate the wudu if the person touches his uh, part during the uh, bath or taking the bath also here it is asserted the matter of washing the the head is uh, now the, uh, the other benefit is the permissibility to wash the feet after the ghusl after the ghusl but however this is if it is needed if it is needed because earlier in the hadith we know that in the narration of Bukhari the Bukhari did not mention the washing of the feet after the ghusl so therefore it is apparent and Allah knows best that this is if it is needed and that the Prophet ﷺ used to wash this sometimes and leave it other times The next benefit is that the private part is to be washed with the left hand. The private part is to be washed with the left hand. Whether this is due to sexual defilement or otherwise. The other benefit is, if water is scarce, then one should use this means of striking or rubbing against the earth or the wall as came in the hadith of Maimuna from these two narrations of Aisha and Maimuna it is evident that rubbing the body is not a condition for ghusl it is evident that rubbing the body with the hands upon taking the bath is not a condition because it is not mentioned in the hadith that the Prophet ﷺ used to rub his body while taking the ghusl. However, if the person fears that the water may not cover his body entirely, then let him pass his hands over his body to make sure that the water covers his body. Especially if there was, yani, uh, he didn't take a bath for, uh, uh, or he didn't hasten to take the bath, then there could be some remains of uh, oily uh, material on the body 
and this could be taken out with, with the rubbing to ensure that the water reaches the skin. The next benefit the permissibility to use the handkerchief the permissibility to use the handkerchief too why? because the Prophet ﷺ did not forbade this he did not forbade rather he turned it uh, returned it because they could, it could be the, the possibility that the handkerchief may have contained some uh, some filth on it and that's why he returned that he didn't use it or it could be also possible that he feared that this could be a a, a hardship on the ummah to use the handkerchiefs upon every wudu or ghusl or the like and this is uh, yani, uh, seems to be uh, indicated by the fact that had it not been the habit for the Prophet Sallallahu uh, to use it, Maymuna would not have brought it to him. So what's apparent here, that this was something normal, uh, a habit, but he returned it وسلم, for a certain reason. And therefore it is permissible to use the handkerchief. The next uh, benefit and the last one is the permissibility to uh, take off the water with the hands. And uh, whatever was reported about the prohibition concerning this matter is weak and does not constitute a proof. So the permissibility is that it is permissible for the person to use the handkerchiefs and if he doesn't then uh, it is fine no problem for him or her to take off the water with the hands. And also uh, before we end there is a benefit here clear benefit also in the fact that Maimuna prepared uh, the water for the Prophet ﷺ. there is a, a benefit here that it is the uh, the uh, the issue of the woman serving serving their uh, the woman serving her husband the woman serving her husband and this is evident from the fact that Aisha and that uh, Maimuna radiyallahu ta'ala anha prepared the water for the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam so finally, therefore, we conclude that these are two of the ways of ghusl, which uh, uh, are uh, perfect ways of ghusl, uh, be, uh, reported by Aisha and by Maimuna. And if someone takes by Aisha and then uh, does the ghusl according to the way Aisha described, or they do it according to Maimuna, sometimes doing this and sometimes doing that, this will be reviving of the entire sunnah. This will be reviving of the entire Sunnah. Walhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.